0: Although I had uh, I had the good fortune question mark of being among the first to get laid off, so when it when it came for me, I was completely surprised. This was like not a common thing for reporters to right. lose their jobs. So I was like, what? What are you talking about? Um, but I, I ended up getting laid off uh, actually on Monday, September tenth, two
1: thousand one. Mm. <laughs>
0: So the next day, I planned to wake up and go start looking for a job, and it was not the day to be looking for a job. And so it it really imprinted on me. I mean, I think it's scary for anyone to, uh, to get laid off. Um, It's not like they gave me a big payout, they gave me four days of severance pay, so they paid me through the end of the week and then I was on my own after that. Um, But to lose your job in the middle of this kind of national catastrophe where the economy just came to a standstill uh, was especially frightening. And I realized then how insecure, uh, theoretically secure things like the steady day job um, actually were.
1: What is going on, everybody? Ryan Caligiuri here. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where every single week I'm reading a book, condensing it down to its core golden nuggets, bringing the author on the show, having a conversation with them about the golden nuggets. And I'm here every single week just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that I believe can spark real change in your life. If you like the show, then please go online, rate, interview the show. When you do, take a screen capture of that, send it to podcast at ryancalajuri.com, and I'll make sure you get entered into the draw every single quarter for a brand new prize. In this quarter's prize, we're giving away the Apple HomePod, a Google Home, or an Amazon Alexa. Also, don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I am most active on LinkedIn, and thank you so much to every single one of you who have contacted me through LinkedIn. I am just getting a slew of you coming through every week, and it's nice to see that. So keep it coming. If you haven't connected with me yet, then please go ahead and do so. All right, so this week we are talking to Dory Clark about her book, Entrepreneurial You, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Income Streams, and Thrive. I think this book is important for a number of reasons. First, I think it's important because a lot of you listening right now, you might be relying on one source of income. That's really dangerous. Where that source of income comes from your job or if it comes from one client, having one source of income is just not good practice. And you might be thinking, well, what do you expect me to do? I mean, I have kids, I have a job, like, I don't have time to go ahead and get another source of income. That's why I think this book is important. That's why I'm talking to Dory Clark. Because I think that if you rely on one source of income and if that one source of income gets taken away from you, you're screwed. You're going to have a tough time paying your bills. You're going to have a tough time just adjusting, finding a new job. It's going to disrupt your confidence. It's going to disrupt your life. And sometimes it might sit you back a couple years because you don't know how long it's going to take you to get a job. You don't know how long it's going to take you to get out of the debt that you might collect because you got kicked out of your job or because you know your company is making cutbacks or because the market wasn't right. I've always relied on more than one source of income. That's just the way that I've been built, and that's just the way that I'm gonna be for the rest of my life, is that I need multiple sources of income. And if you're right now you're in a job and you're thinking, you know what, there's more to life than me just sitting in this nine to five that doesn't inspire me, it doesn't excite me, there's more to it than that, then again, this book is for you. This book is for the person out there who wants to monetize their expertise, who wants to become an expert in a specific field, who wants to get into consulting, who's thinking about speaking, who's thinking about becoming an author, a writer, a columnist. If you're listening right now and you're saying, you know, I just needed a little spark, a little spark just to get me to take that next step, to start working on something on the side while I'm in my job so that it's a little bit safer, so that I can make the transition one day to doing something that I truly love, then I think this interview and this book, Entrepreneurial You with Dory Clark, could be the spark that you need to get you going. In any case, enough jibber jabber. Let's crack right into this one. Again, this is Entrepreneurial You, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Income Streams, and Thrive by Dory Clark. I will catch you back here at the end of the episode. Enjoy. Dory. how are you doing this morning? Hey, Ryan. I am good. Great to speak with you. I'm very excited to talk about this book. Very excited because there's a lot of people out there right now who... Maybe they're kind of fed up with their their J-O-B, you know, their job. They're not They're not feeling it right now, and they're saying, there's got to be more out there for me. There's got to be more out there for me, and I just need to know how to do it. So before we get into the show, for people who don't know you, please tell us who you are and maybe a little bit about what you do.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Ryan. So... My basic deal is that I, uh, I split my time doing a number of different things, and in fact, that's uh, a lot of what I write about in my book, Entrepreneurial You. I have uh, nine different income streams that I have developed over the years, wow. and they all kind of they all kind of tie into a central idea but I made an effort a few years ago to really try to diversify because I realized that was the best way to both hedge against risk and capture the upside. So the things that I spend the most time doing, um, I write business books, including the latest Entrepreneurial You. I teach part-time for the Fuqua School of Business. I do executive coaching, marketing strategy, consulting, give a lot of uh, keynote speeches, do online courses, masterminds, affiliate income, live events. Uh, So I spend my time uh, spread through those things. But the the basic point of my work and what I really try to do more than anything is help talented professionals learn the strategies to get their ideas and their voices heard in an increasingly crowded and
1: noisy marketplace. Mm. Now, you weren't always somebody who had nine income streams. Obviously, you don't that doesn't come out of nowhere. You had to build that. Maybe tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up from where you were to where you are now.
0: I actually started my career because I got foiled doing what I thought I wanted to do. I was a newspaper reporter and I ended up getting laid off, as is unfortunately pretty common for newspaper reporters <laughs> these days, um, although I had uh, I had the good fortune, question mark, of being among the first to get laid off. So when it when it came for me, I was completely surprised. This was like not a common thing for reporters to right. lose their jobs. So I was like, w- what? What are you talking about? Um, but I, I ended up getting laid off uh, actually on Monday, September 10th, 2001. Mm. <laughs> so the next day I planned to wake up and go start looking for a job. And it was not the day wow. to be looking for a job. And so it, it really imprinted on me. I mean, I think it's scary for anyone to uh, to get laid off. Um, it's not like they gave me a big payout. They gave me four days of severance pay. So they paid me through the end wow. of the week and then I was on my own after that. Um, but to lose your job in the middle of this kind of national catastrophe where the economy just came to a standstill uh, was especially frightening. And I realized then how insecure uh, theoretically secure things like the steady day job um, actually were and so it, it really made me think hard about some of these questions that I have come to spend a lot of time focusing on like what is your personal brand what is your reputation how do you how do you build a reputation in your field such that if something actually does happen to you, that you have a bank of people that you can call who are able to say, "Oh, well, you're amazing. Just come over here and mm-hmm. and work for me." Um, that's where the real security lies, not not in any you know sort of sense of, "Oh, well, I have I have this uh, this check coming in every two weeks." Right. Those things can go away pretty fast, and so. Building your reputation and developing different income streams, I think is is the real way moving forward that we can uh, protect ourselves and create the
1: kind of uh, the kind of job security and career security that we want. Absolutely, and that kind of kicks us off here, where, you know, the internet and our globalized economy, they've given everybody the possibility of reaching millions upon millions of people, working on their own terms, you know, enjoying unlimited income potential, but. For too many of us, that's not the reality. Instead, we live in a world where success doesn't necessarily equal a great income. You know, you can be a talented person and well-regarded in your industry, but unless you're doing very deliberate things and you're making very deliberate choices, uh, you may end up earning very little for your efforts. And to me, that's, that's the basis for this book, which essentially leads us off into golden nugget number one. Why is it so hard for people to make a jump from a job to being their own boss like you did?
0: yeah I think that there's uh, there's a number of of challenges associated with that but when people are are thinking about going to work for themselves honestly there's uh, first of all there is oftentimes a hesitation to uh, to sacrifice a, a quality of life that has been built up. And I think it, it is important to be realistic about it because it, a lot of the discourse around s- starting your own business or something like that is about, oh, well, just take the leap, just have a leap of faith. <laughs> and the truth is, if you're actually conceptualizing it as a leap of faith, that's that's not really a great idea um, because there are financial obligations that people have. you know Maybe they have a mortgage or something like that. And I, I think that that it it does almost always take a while to be able to build up your entrepreneurial business. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to be honest about it. And I think that for far more people, the the idea should be that instead of just kind of blindly jumping into something, which, you know, to be fair, that's that's what I did and what I would not recommend other people do. um, I think that it is a good idea to spend a year, maybe even two years building your entrepreneurial side venture nights and weekends, testing it out, seeing what works, and then being able to make a shift into it full-time if you wish to do so, once you have a lot more data about what what customers are actually connecting with and knowing for sure rather than guessing uh, that you can make a living from it.
1: I like the way that you're helping our audience really understand that maybe you know you don't have to go in and make the leap, which is very high risk and, hey, I got a, I got a job right now and I'm making a steady income and it, my job might suck, life's not great, but I'm still making money and I got kids, I got bills to pay. So by going and doing some of this stuff part time, doing it on the side, uh, entrepreneurs like Gary Vaynerchuk always talk about your side hustle and building something from, you know, not your nine to five, but, you know, your seven to two, taking the time outside of the work hours to try and build up, you know, whatever it is you want to move into, whether it's um, consulting, whether it's, you know, building a product, whatever it is, starting to do it on the side. But with you, you didn't do that, though. You ended up going right into it. So maybe what was one of your biggest lessons learned from going through it the way that you did?
0: Well, I think something that I, I actually learned pretty rapidly and, you know, again, it's it's amazing looking back all the things that I didn't know. That's part of why I, I write uh, the, the books that, that I've written. Um uh, reinventing you was my was my first book which That's is right. about the act of how to how to reinvent yourself professionally because I was just kind of fumbling through it and I, I realized that if if other people were able to have a little bit more of a, a guidebook or a roadmap to follow that that would probably be helpful um, but one of the things that I kind of learned by doing was that it is actually extraordinarily common for your first vision of what you're Your entrepreneurial business is going to um, be—it's actually very common for that to change. Um, You know, much much like Mike Tyson has that famous quote: "You know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face," Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I think is pretty apt. Uh, I think for entrepreneurship, there's kind of the uh, the analog, which is that everybody has a plan until they actually meet their first customer, Mm -hmm. and then it's like, oh, that's (laughs) what you want. Oh, and so you really have to adapt. And so in my case, my first vision was that I actually thought that I would do political consulting uh, because after I had been a reporter, I was actually a political reporter, and I couldn't get another job uh, in in newspapers, mm-hmm. um, I ended up working on campaigns for a while. And so I had developed expertise in political media relations. And so I thought, oh, well, you know, I know how to do that. I'll just consult on that, which is not a bad Theory, you know, it's not a bad strategy. But for whatever reason, I just had a hard time getting hired for that. Um, The the campaigns were not biting, but the people that were uh, were actually people that I knew who worked for nonprofits, for businesses, for government agencies. Mm -hmm. They were interested in hiring me, and so. You know, I, I, I didn't really have a, a safety net exactly. I had to earn some money. So I was not going to be an idiot. I'm like, oh, you want to pay me? OK, I'll <laughs> I'll do that. And so I literally my first set of cards that I had made said, you know, Dory Clark, political consultant. And then I, I just like changed them. I'm like, all right, I'll get a new set. And it's a Dory Clark marketing consultant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But that is the reality. Things change and you got to be flexible. And I think that maybe a lot of people don't. They want to go into it with the first, the first crack at it. and like, this is what I'm going to do. And if it doesn't work, well, then I failed. Well, that's not really how it goes. For anybody who's done this themselves, they know that things change. And it might change based on the marketplace and they don't want your offering. Or it might be based on you and you just don't enjoy doing that. You just find it painful. So flexibility is really important. And I'm glad you shared that lesson with us and for everybody out there and Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. The challenge that so many millions upon millions of people have, and maybe a lot of you listening out there right now have, is that You rely on too few income streams. Right now, if you're listening, you might only have one income stream, your job. And that is extremely risky, incredibly risky. So for you who comes to the realization out there and you say, hey, you know what? That's right, I only have one income stream. And if I lose this like Dory did, I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills. I'm not gonna be able to support my family and do the things that I wanna do. So for golden nugget number two, it says to build your brand, You must become a trusted source and building your brand is a part of taking that first step to becoming an entrepreneur. So Dory, help us understand what it means to be a trusted source and how do you become one?
0: in terms of, of becoming a trusted source i mean the the truth is if you are going to be selling anything to people whether it's uh, coaching or consulting services or you know even even products uh, people need to to trust you they need to, to connect with you and so you know i i certainly wouldn't hire a coach, for instance, to teach me how to do anything, whether it's how to dress better or how to lose weight or how to be a better leader, if I didn't have faith that that person knew what they were doing. And so the question is, how can we demonstrate that to people so that they feel comfortable buying from us? And it's, it's really, it's really about re- reducing the perceived risk that the customer feels so that they are more likely to buy from us. And, you know, a, a lot of people skip this step. They don't they don't bother. Right. They just say, oh, I'll I'll just put up a website and, you know, <laughs> things will happen. You know, people buy stuff. And, <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really work that way. There There is this uh, this process. Of wanting to uh, to create a warm lead, so to speak. You know, you warm up the customer by getting them to understand who you are, what you're about, so that at a certain point, you don't even have to sell them. It's that they want to buy because they see, wow, I really resonate with, with what this guy or what this gal is saying. Um, so how do you do that? Um, you know, I mean, and we even see it in products, for instance. I mean, if you're buying something off of Amazon or eBay, you look to see what that rating is. You know, how many people have, you know, have given them a five star rating? What are their reviews? That matters. Right. And certainly it's it's true if you're doing the kind of more person-to-person consulting etc um, so a big way that that I did it personally was through uh, through blogging and content creation this is actually uh, kind of a cornerstone of the methodology that I teach in my recognized expert course is that if you are creating free content for people could be writing or podcasts like this it could be videos it gives people essentially a way to try before they buy it's a way that they can they can actually envision you know who you are what you're about they can begin to see oh well what would it be like to you know to work with Ryan you mm-hmm. know what you know what what kind of vibe does he have is he my kind of guy mm-hmm. and when they are exposed to more and more of that, it makes it easier for them later on to, to just hit the buy button and say, yes, you know, I don't even need to do any more due diligence. I've been listening to him for months or for years, and I know what he's about,
1: and this is a great offer, so let's do it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the risks that people face if they're deciding that I'm going to build my brand online, Dory? I want to go online and I want to start doing LinkedIn articles. I want to start putting effort and focus into my Instagram account, into my Twitter account, into my Facebook. And they spend hours upon hours upon hours building up their social media presence. What's the challenge in that? Is is that a good strategy? Is that not a good strategy? What would you recommend for people? Because I think that a lot of people, when they think about building a brand, that's the first place that they go to. Are there any lessons learned from people who have maybe done that or things that you've seen?
0: Well, you know, certainly I'm a fan of uh, of the power of social media and and using those channels. You know, I never I would never say to people, oh, just you know, don't you know, don't bother. You don't have to be online at all. Um, I you know I do think it's it's important. Um, I think that the first thing that we need to keep in mind is that Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, YouTube, these are all platforms that are owned by publicly traded companies and they are going to you know by by virtue of their charter prioritize the interests of their shareholders above all else and we have seen you know multiple times there's been major headlines major disruptions that when facebook for instance changes its algorithms it it really means you're you're essentially kind of building your house on sand right. rather than on rock because all of the things that that you've done that have gotten you likes and fans and clicks and and things like that can be altered overnight because they decide they want to prioritize something else or they want to they want to raise some revenue so they want to make it a little harder for mm-hmm. corporate entities to reach people even folks who have signed on to um you know to support their their uh, fan page mm-hmm. and so I, I think that we have to be aware that it's useful but it's only useful up to a point if you put everything into it you're putting your fate into someone else's hands. And so what is really useful is if you instead try to use those channels to drive people back to your own site and get them to subscribe to your email list, because that is a resource that you own, that you control. It is an unmediated relationship with your customer. And that is something that people can't Mm. take away from you.
1: So now that we've put in the work, and we've become a trusted source in our field, whether it is, it's our industry, whether we have, we've picked a specific niche. We've become a trusted source. We've connected with enough people. People have seen our message on a regular basis. They know what we stand for. They know what we do. They have an opportunity to know, like, and trust us. So now that we've got to this point, we want to get paid for what we do. You know, we're thinking it's time to back up that Brinks truck, baby, and monetize what we've done here, which leads us to golden nugget number three monetizing your expertise by becoming a coach uh, coach or consultant. So Dory, help us understand how to grow practice being a coach or a consultant and the things we need to keep in mind to help us become more successful
0: coaching and consulting Ryan is actually I think a, oftentimes a great starting point for people who are looking to create a new income stream for themselves largely because there's there's no startup costs right it's not like you have to you know sign a lease for a storefront or you know buy ten thousand dollars worth of inventory um, this is something where you can you can decide to do it and as long as you have your Computer and your internet connection, you're you're pretty well set. You can get going, and so I I am always a, a fan of of the uh, you know the lean startup methodology. Mm-hmm. What's what's the yeah. cheapest, the quickest, the fastest way you can do it? And so this is appealing. Now a lot of people might say, well, you know, I I don't. I don't know what I could coach people on. I don't have a PhD, or you know, I don't have some specialized skill. And the the truth is, what I think is is great about uh, about coaching or consulting is that you don't have to have those things. I think we often create artificial barriers in our minds. What I would suggest people think about is what are people in your social circle already asking you about? And what I mean by this is that for, for almost everybody, there are a few things that people around you probably think of you uh, w- within your network as the go-to expert on. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you really have a great fashion sense so your friends are always saying, oh, will you go shopping with me? Mm-hmm. Or maybe you really keep up with a lot of tech trends. And so people are constantly saying, hey, I wanna buy a new TV, I wanna buy a new phone, which one should I get? You know, if, mm-hmm. if you are that person, what, what that shows is that, number one, uh, people around you consider you to have expertise in that area, expertise that is worth seeking out. And number two, they are showing you that you know, by asking these questions that it's a topic that people are interested in, that they actually find valuable. And so that's a pretty good clue that you perhaps have something that other people want. Now, you know that's not to say that your friends are going to pay you; they probably aren't because they're your friends. (laughs) But what what it does say is there might be promise there. You might, for instance, be able to get started by saying, "Hey, look, I am glad to go to the mall with you for free, but." would you give me a testimonial quote that I could use on a website? Nice. And you do a few things like that. You begin to, uh, to get the experience, you get the testimonials, you ask your friends, hey, you know, I'll do it for free for you, but would you refer me to some people? And you can begin to expand your circle out from there.
1: Mm. I think it's a natural progressive leap where people, again, they're in jobs, they have specific expertise, they have education. That's usually the first place they look. You know, I'm gonna become a coach. I going to become a consultant. What are some of the, the dangers for people who are looking to make that leap right away? Some lessons learned that you've had where, again, if you're out there listening to Cut the Crap Podcast Nation right now and in your mind you're listening to this and you're saying, you know what? Dory's right, Ryan's right. I'm going out there. I'm going to become a coach or a consultant. What's the one thing you want to tell them before they make that jump?
0: Where business begins is where you get your first paying client. And it doesn't actually mean that you even have to have somebody paying you full price, Mm -hmm. but you can, you can become legitimate when you have somebody, you know, paying you whatever, 25 bucks for, you know, for some session Mm -hmm. and it starts the process moving. And from there, as you are gaining experience and as you are gaining testimonials, it, it becomes real through the doing Mm -hmm. and, it it can really take on a life of its own and we just – we need to claim that expertise and with practice and with time, you begin to see right. more and more. It's kind of a process of pattern recognition. What are the problems that people are having and what are the fastest and quickest ways that you can help them solve that? And I think that, that, that that's incredibly valuable mm. for,
1: for other people. If you are going in and you say, you know, I want to become a coach or a consultant, something else that you can do. If you're comfortable speaking on stage like you are, Dory, or like like I am – looking at building a speaking practice is another option, but it's not easy. Not everyone can come out of the gate and start pulling a big income, um, uh, big speaking income. So in golden nugget number four, we wanna know what is Clark's law of professional speaking and what do we need to know about building a successful speaking practice?
0: Yes, so Clark's law of professional speaking is my is is my little formulation that I created I Ryan, it. based based on hard fought knowledge and it basically charts uh, one's speaking career and it goes something like this so in phase one, no one is interested in hearing you speak at all period <laughs> that's pretty much where we all Ouch, start that hurts I know right so demoralizing. <laughs> You can skip you can skip phase one if you're like an NBA player or right, something. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, most of us not so much. So in phase two, um people are interested in hearing you speak, but only if you will speak for free. Hmm. Phase three, getting slightly better. people are interested in hearing you speak. They know that you won't speak for free, um, but they don't they either don't have or don't want to spend a lot of money, so they might give you a little tiny honorarium. Mm-hmm. And finally, finally, after way more work and effort than we thought sh- one should actually have to put in for it, in phase four, people want to hear you speak and they want to hear you speak so badly, they are actually willing to pay you good money and pay you what you're worth.
1: So when you go down to that down those, those four steps, it's intimidating because chances are you are kicking yourself off at, you know, number one, where, again, you talked about how when you were Go to Chambers of Commerce, you know. You spent in your speaker bio and your DVD and and you know your your speeches, and they just ignored you, and it it hurts the ego. It really does. So instead of going like for somebody who's wanting to start a speaking career and they're facing you know those four steps, um, what's the best advice to those individuals out there who want to get their speaking career started, and and what are some things to avoid?
0: Yeah, so there's a few things to keep in mind. Um, the first one is there's actually kind of two parallel paths that you need to pursue. The first is actually just getting good at the speaking part, like literally perfecting Mm -hmm. your skills, giving the talks. And so for that, you should, you should not really be worrying about money so much because ultimately it's skills development, right? It's professional training. And so if you don't have that much experience speaking, but you know that you want to do it and you want to get better at it, then, you know, fine. Take take lots of unpaid speaking engagements. Don't worry about it too much because it's uh, it's essentially you getting a free opportunity to practice something mm-hmm. that you want to improve. Um, the, the goal, ideally, um, although in some cases, depending how much practice, you need, this doesn't even matter. But ideally you just want to say, all right, well, it might be for free, but as long as I'm speaking to an audience of potential clients, Mm -hmm. then it's at least worthwhile because maybe I can convert it into something down the road. Um, So, you know, that's, that's a good lens to think about. Mm -hmm. If you specifically are interested in making money from speaking, the thing that took me a long time to really grasp, but I think, makes everything much more crystal clear, is understanding that the reason people are paying you, it's not that you are good on stage. Now, don't get me wrong. They want you to be good on stage. They want you to be good at literally delivering the speech. But that actually matters less than you being famous. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting. The, the reason for this, I mean, you, you know, we, we all can sort of think about examples of this. Oftentimes you'll see uh, some conference being advertised and it's like, oh, and here's a keynote by, you know, and sometimes it's random, you know, yeah. by Norman Schwarzkopf. <laughs> or, here's a keynote by Tom Brokaw. <laughs> and, you know, it's like what they have in common. They're like, OK, it's a little random, yeah. but it's somebody that everybody has heard of. Right. And the reason that they do that is that they want uh, if if it's an open admission uh, conference, they want a name that will sell tickets. They want a name where people are like, "Oh, I want to hear that person speak." Mm-hmm. Like it's it's essentially uh, it's like a lead gen device. Yeah. You know, it's just they want to draw people in, and this you know, oh, the famous name will draw them in. Um, if it is a corporation that's doing it, what they want to do is give their employees an opportunity to basically go home and be impressed and mm-hmm. look and look good to their spouse. Hey, guess who I heard speak? I heard Hillary Clinton speak. Right. You know, And it's like, oh, it looks cool. Um, now, those people may or may not be good speakers. They may or may not have a useful message to deliver. Mostly, they actually just get up and kind of pontificate about mm-hmm. their own lives. Um, but they're famous. Mm-hmm. And so the key for us, you know, where we can win because most, you know, me certainly and probably most of your listeners are not going to be famous because they're a sports star or they're a general or they're a politician or whatever. Um, if you are a, a regular uh, professional the way that you can become famous is to really drill down as i was mentioning earlier on content creation i've spent you know a lot of time studying the methodology of how to become a recognized expert and this is really the cornerstone of it by by doing content creation what you're able to do is turn yourself from somebody that no one's ever heard of to somebody where at first they start to say oh dory clark that sounds familiar to then as you get a little further down the road they say oh dory clark i've heard of you you, hmm. i read your article that's i read right. your book and then it, that familiarity is very exciting and it's it's something where again the conference organizer is like oh good it's like the equivalent of you know they, they always say uh, you never get fired for uh, for buying ibm right. you know the old mm-hmm. statement it's kind of like that people the conference organizer wants something that feels safe that feels reliable and fame i say in quotation marks you know being known having a no- name that's recognized gives you a kind of safety in their mind, which makes it far more likely that they will be willing to say yes to paying you.
1: That's great insight. I never looked at it that way before, but that makes complete sense. And these individuals like the you know, the Kobe Bryants, the Hillary Clintons, they pull a huge speaking fee as well. So it's really about expectation management and that if you're going to go out there and you want to build a speaking career, you're not all of a sudden going to be pulling $300,000 a speech. It's probably not going to happen unless you build up some massive fame somehow. But there's something I I wanted to ask you about, and it's something that um, Michael Parrish Dudell talked about. And he, he talked about going out and actually selling yourself as a speaker. And he said that by going out and selling yourself as a speaker, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because you're discounting the value proposition of what you do and that seems so backwards and crazy but that's the reality can you talk a little bit about that and you know for the people out there who are thinking hey i'm gonna build a speaking career i'm gonna go out there and blast the media tell them hey this is my speech topic this is what i want to do come hire me for your next agm come hire me for your next conference what's the challenge with doing that
0: yeah i think this was a really good insight um michael Parrish is uh consultant in New York uh, best known for writing the uh, the book that that is the companion to the TV show shark Tank mm. and uh, so I interviewed him about this for my book entrepreneurial you and uh, you encapsulated well what he said which is that essentially if you are the one going out there and hawking yourself or petitioning to speak at conferences you are gonna get nowhere fast mm. and this is this is true I mean uh, to be fair I I did profile a guy in entrepreneurial you named Grant Baldwin Mm. that Built a business uh, speaking basically through cold calls. You know, he didn't have uh, much of a, a brand to start with, but he he just was very persistent and he kind of did all these cold calls. But uh, and he did it. God bless him. But the truth was, um, he he admits that his hit rate was about one in a hundred. And mm. you know this. And this is not just like oh, send a hundred emails. This is literally he'd have a hundred targets and he would be pursuing them for months mm. and calling and following up and whatever. So if the one thing you want to do in life is speaking and you don't already have a platform, I mean, sure, you can do it. But for the vast majority of professionals, just the ROI is not there when it comes to cold calling. There's a million things you could be doing that will get you better and faster results. And uh, and so what I suggest and what Michael Parrish-Dudell believes, um, I, I think he's right, is that essentially it's, um, it's a little bit of uh, – kind of psychological jujitsu, right? (laughs) Because if you are a conference organizer, you you are somebody that has a lot of power as a gatekeeper. And so a lot of folks are petitioning you. A lot of folks are kind of coming at you. And so your natural response is like, oh my God, no, no. Like anyone who comes at you, you're just like essentially ruling them out Mm -hmm. because – You don't want the noise. You don't want the clutter. You don't want to take the time to figure out who's good and who's not good. You want to feel like you are choosing people. That is the fun part of your job is to figure out who you want to choose to bring in. And so the real question is, how do you make them want to choose you? How do you uh, sort of stack the deck so that they find out about you and feel like it's their idea? Mm. And so there's there's a couple of ways of doing it. One which we have already discussed is content creation. And so, for me, for instance, you know, I've been blogging for years now for the Harvard Business Review. I will often get speaking engagements, and you know, I'll ask, "Where did you find me?" Mm-hmm. And it's often because they've read an article that I've written for the Harvard Business Review, and they'll they'll see that. And you know, sometimes the article is about something that's um, that's very relevant to uh, to what their conference theme is. Sometimes it's, uh, it's just, you know, they've seen my name a bunch of times. And so I am familiar because Mm -hmm. of that. That's valuable. Um, the other way that you can do it, which is a little bit more direct, but still indirect is that if there's a particular conference or organization you want to target, what you want to do, you don't want to go straight to the organizer. You want to go around them and, and think, okay, Who do I know who has spoken at this event in the past? And uh, and and could that person recommend me, or um, who do I know who knows the conference organizer, and could I have them suggest me? Uh-huh. If if you can do that, it's you know LinkedIn is really good for this. Or in the case of past speakers, you might visit the conference website and see you know who's who's listed on there. This is kind of a, a networking issue, right. and you know building your network, of course, is one of the other key components of uh, developing a reputation as as a recognized expert. Um, but the, the reason for that is that the organizer is always going to discount you if you were the person saying, hey, hire me. I'm great. Mm-hmm. But if someone they already know and trust says, hey, you should hire Ryan. He's great. Then they're going to take that a lot more seriously.
1: Mm, great points. Great points. So now that people are starting to make some money, you know, they, they decided they're gonna go out, they're doing some coaching, they're doing some consulting, they're going out, there doing some speaking, and the speaking's generating leads, or maybe it's giving them a little bit of a kickback, they're getting a little bit of, of money from their speaking engagements. Now that people are making their money, it's time to extend their reach and impact online by creating online courses and digital products. But as you also pointed out in the book, this can be a really big learning experience, which takes us to golden nugget number five, which says, what should we do and what should we avoid when it comes to building online courses and digital products? So
0: the most important part when it comes to building online courses and digital products is to make sure that you are not following what I think often seems like the the normal or the easy path to most people, which is, oh, well, I'm just going to create my course And then I'm going to sell it. (laughs) You know, that that kind of seems obvious, right? But it actually can be disastrous Hmm. because it takes a lot of time, obviously, to create an online course. And if you're going to be investing that kind of time, you need to be pretty darn sure that people actually are interested in what you're selling. And so where a lot of people mess up or miss out is they don't test what they are doing first. And so uh, I will um, share a little bit about my own experience. I, in writing Entrepreneurial you, I not only interviewed um, a raft of about 50 plus experts in, uh, who are very successful high six, seven, even eight figure hmm. entrepreneurs um, about the different business models they have and the ways that they monetize. But I also really tried to make myself a guinea pig. And so in the book, I recount uh, different strategies that I use to diversify my income streams. And so one that I talked about in depth was my experience creating an online course. And so following uh, the methodology that a, that a colleague named Danny Eaney developed, uh, what I did was in late 2015 – I surveyed my readers, you know, just, you know, kind of quick survey monkey type thing. Uh, but I got a lot of feedback back uh, hearing more about what they were interested in. And so based on that, I decided that I was going to create my first online course about how to become a recognized expert. And so I all I did at this point was I created essentially a, a one-page sales page where I described what the course theoretically would be you know, just kind of a quick description. And I decided that I wanted to test demand. Now, if you test demand just by saying like, hey, would you be interested in this? Uh, You're not necessarily going to get really accurate responses, Mm -hmm. because lots of people will say, oh, yeah, Dory, that sounds great. (laughs) Um, What you need to do is test it to the point where people actually are willing to commit real money to it. That's, That's the real test, is to see are they willing to pay for it. So in April of 2016, I... I sent out an email, um, with a link to this one page sales page. And I said, Hey, I am thinking about creating this full course as a way of testing it out. I am doing a pilot and it's open to 40 people. That's it. And, uh, you can, you can get it before anyone else, but the, the, the test here is, um, and, and what you need to do, you're going to get it at a discount. I had people uh, pay $500 to get in on the pilot, and uh, there was a, a big discount because the course was actually going to ultimately be $2,000. But mm. the, in return, they needed to be willing to be surveyed um like pretty much all the time, about what what they were interested in learning about the topic. And also once, once the sessions were delivered, what did they like, what did they not like, etc. And so the really good news was that it turns out that the research uh, I did from the survey was correct. People were interested in the topic, which is about how to become a recognized expert. And the pilot sold out. Basically wow. right away, within about 45 minutes of sending that first email, I had filled the pilot. Um, so that was, that was pretty exciting. But based on running that pilot, which I did over a period of six weeks, I was able to, um, to gather tons of data. And it was enough that I ultimately uh, created the full-fledged course and launched it in September of that year.
1: Mm, interesting. Now, for anybody out there who they want to take their expertise and they want to put it into a different channel, they want to create a digital product or an online course, um, for them, I mean, what, what were some of the biggest maybe – Um, in all of your research that you've done, what were some of the things that people have done that really led them to become a success? Um, Help people out there who are listening right now who are looking to create their own online course. um, Give them a piece of advice or something that you learned that everybody who is successful did that maybe they can also do to perhaps replicate some of that success.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think something that is very useful to do early on to the point of of running a pilot is staying close to your customers, right? Mm. Because when you have developed expertise in a certain area, it becomes very hard to imagine what it was like when you didn't have that expertise. That is true. <laughs> the, so, sociologists actually call this the curse of knowledge. Yeah. You, you become just literally unable to imagine, you know, but like, Oh, well, you know, like if you're a fashion person, it's like, well, well, duh, of course these colors <laughs> don't go together, but like a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the way that I ran my pilot, actually, I, I really, I, I, I didn't have any pre-recorded material or anything like that. I actually, um, Every week, I, so basically, all I did was I, I set the topic for the week. You know, so for instance, the first week topic is like, how do you find your breakthrough idea? Second week topic is, you know, how do you build a following online? You know, things like that. And so I would survey people and say, what are all of the questions you have about this? And I, I just had no prejudgments whatsoever. And so they would send in their questions. And so I did live webinars, live 90-minute webinars with the participants, and I would answer the questions that they had sent in. And then, because it was a live session, of course, they would have more questions that came up as we were talking. And so I would answer all of those. And so at at the end, I was was basically just, there was a huge, rich amount of content Mm. that we had where I was learning essentially how beginners think. You know, what are what are the problems? what are the challenges? If I had tried to just come up with that on my own, there is so much that I would have missed mm-hmm. because I, I just wouldn 't have been able to see it so staying very close to your customers with the surveying with the with the live yeah. sessions helps uh, helps ground you and make sure that your material is much more relevant than it otherwise might be
1: yeah, I completely agree with that that curse of knowledge is is, is dangerous and for anyone out there who wants to create their online product knowing what your customers will buy and knowing what they know. um, Sometimes people get in their own head and they're as they're experts in their field. They say, "Ah, I don't know if people are going to want this. I don't know if it's a value. Listen, get out of your own head to you. You don't think it's a value because you've seen this for years. You know the answers to this already. So to you, it's not new, but go out there in the marketplace and ask them if it's new and you might surprise yourself. So great tip. I'm glad you brought that up. So as we conclude this interview, I want to look at something that is still a little bit mysterious and it's called affiliate marketing. Now, when you have a big enough targeted um, following, a new revenue stream opens itself up. So you can make a lot of money through this affiliate marketing, through affiliate relationships, where basically you're receiving a share of revenue in exchange for sending um, a paying customer to a vendor. Which leads us to our last golden nugget, golden nugget number six. What are the most important aspects to understand about affiliate marketing and how do we make money with this approach?
0: Yeah, so affiliate marketing can be a huge boon. Um, this is, this is something where over the past three years, I have, uh, it was something that I had never really done, but, um, but over the past three years, as I got very serious about email list building, I realized its potential. And, you know, now I'm making, uh, I, I, I need to do an analysis, but, uh, I think for 2016, I brought in maybe sixty grand from it for twenty seventeen. It was probably was was probably over six figures, and so it's it's it can be substantial revenue. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a few things you definitely need to keep in mind. The first is, of course, making sure that the offers that you're putting in front of your audience are things that they really would be interested in. That um, that. Or, you know, obviously you don't want something that is a direct competitor of what you're doing, but if it can be a complement to what you're doing, then that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, if you are creating a list of people that want to be professional speakers, um, something that could be a really good complement is a, uh, somebody with an online course about how to write a book, for instance, mm-hmm. because if you are an aspiring speaker – it's very clear that having a book is uh, a useful form of professional uh, branding in the marketplace. So a lot of folks are going to be interested in that, and, and it fits really well. Um, so the content fit is is crucial. Uh, it's a plus if you you know know this person personally, if you've worked with them, if you've taken their course, um, that is that is huge because it's Mm trust-based and so if you're able to say to the audience hey i took this course i think it's great um that carries huge weight um so those things matter the other thing that i think a lot of people overlook that i would want to uh to just caution people about is that even if you are comfortable with the person's material and feel like it's good even if you know them as a person and like them in the world of online marketing There are a fair number of people that promulgate promulgate, um, very aggressive sales strategies. Mm. And, you know, it's not it's not that they're bad guys, but that. They may have been learning from certain schools of thought about how online marketing is done where the idea is you basically beat customers over the head until they submit <laughs> and buy whatever you're selling. And so I've had I've had folks who, you know, and these are just like rookie mistakes, but I've had some people that you know, I know their material is good. I know they're smart, I know they can help people, but I would get, I rate letters from my readers. They would be like, "Dory, I signed up for this, you know, for this guy's list, and he sent me like forty-seven <laughs> emails in three days. Like, what, what gives?" And I'm just like, "Oh no, that's yeah. bad." <laughs> and so you need to get a sense of what their marketing approach is like too. I mean, obviously people people can unsubscribe, you know. I mean, you yeah. know, they can do it, but um, but you don't want somebody who's so heavy-handed that they alienate your list. So doing the due diligence up front is really critical to make sure that they don't end up burning your relationship with your audience.
1: Mm, Love that, love that. It's all about becoming a trusted source, building that brand, taking that leap, going out, starting your consulting gig, your coaching gig, starting to speak, finding different revenue streams, whether it's affiliate marketing, um, advertising through podcasts or through blog posts, what have you, building that digital product, building that online product. There's so many different great takeaways. Entrepreneurial you, monetize your expertise, create multiple income streams, and thrive. Dory, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I'm glad you came on here because you might be the stimulus that drives a lot of people out there to change, to create a better life, to create a life that maybe they're more happy about, a life that they're more excited about. And I always look at books as stimulus that can drive change in people's lives because it happened with me and this one right here this episode might drive change in other people's lives so thank you so much for coming on the show it's an absolute pleasure having you on here and for anybody who wants to get in touch with you for anybody who wants to read more about some of the stuff you've talked about today how can they go about doing that
0: Ryan, I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Well, for folks who'd like to learn more, uh, of course, my most recent book is uh, is Entrepreneurial You. Um, I have a, another couple of books uh, as well, Reinventing You, which is about professional reinvention and Stand Out, which is about how to become a recognized expert in your field. And uh, I also wanted to be sure to mention I have a, a free giveaway. It is the 88-question entrepreneurial use self-assessment, and it actually walks people through the process of how to develop multiple income streams in their own business. So for anyone who's interested in that, you can get it for free at doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E slash entrepreneur.
1: Awesome. Well, Dory, like I said, thank you so much for coming on the show. This is great content that a lot of people really, really need to hear. And I got to get you back on the show talking about your other books because this was an awesome interview. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Ryan. Take care.
1: All right. There we have it. That's Entrepreneurial You Monetize your expertise, create multiple income streams, and thrive by Dory Clark. I really enjoyed talking to Dory, and I'm glad that we had an opportunity to talk and to share a lot of that information on the podcast for you because you might be in a position right now where you're thinking of taking that jump. You're thinking of making that next step. Well, there's a lot of really good takeaways from here. A lot of really good takeaways. And if you are interested in making that move, if you are interested in taking that jump to becoming an entrepreneur, if you are interested in building more income streams, then please take some of the stuff that Dory and I talked about today and put it into practice. Dig deeper into it, read more about it, go pick up the book, whatever you have to do. I'm telling you right now, there is more to life than just a job that just is you exchanging time for money. Get excited about the work that you do because I will tell you right now, the moment that you start getting excited about what you do nine to five, Everything, and I mean everything, changes for you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. You know, your loyalty means so much to me. So please go out there, tell your friends, your family, your colleagues about the podcast. The more this grows, the more fun we have. If you like the show, then please go online, rate and review the show. You know the spiel. Go online, rate and review the show. Send it to podcast at And I'll make sure you get entered into the draw this quarter for a prize. Again, we're giving away the Google Home, uh, the Amazon Alexa, or the Apple HomePod. Also, don't forget to connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're going to connect with me out of one of the four, make it LinkedIn because that's where I am most active at this point in time. So thank you so much to all of you who've rated and reviewed the show. And thank you so much to all of you who have also connected with me online. Always means a lot to me to see who's out there in Cut the Crap Podcast Nation. So thank you so much. All right, that is a wrap. Thank you so much to all of you. Man, I've been saying thank you a lot this podcast. Just grateful. That's all, I guess. But anyways, thank you so much for tuning in again this week. I will be back here next week when I have a brand new book, brand new Golden Nuggets, and of course, an interview with the author. And you know what I'm here doing every single week, just trying to save you a little bit of time and bring you some information that can spark real change in your life. Have a great week, everybody. I love you guys.
2: The biggest poison in us is regret. It's poison. And I push so hard, so hard and will through my vehicle, which isn't meditation, which isn't health and wellness, which isn't nonprofit. profit my vehicle's business. I can't help it. It's what I love. I love building businesses. I love competing with you. I want to beat you. I love that game. But through that vehicle, I will always push a lack of regret, an awareness to how good it really is. You're more than welcome to tell me about how bad it is or why you can't, because, or what, but it's just not true. Because if anybody ever did it, then you can too. Stop making excuses. Stop complaining. Nobody's listening. They may make pretend they're listening. The market doesn't care. What you need to do is make one person happy, you then you can make everybody else happy. You know why I like making people happy? Because I'm already happy. And so I implore you to take this last little rant and really look at your fucking face and understand are you doing the things that are putting you in a position to succeed? Not just in a business world but in life. Because it's super important because boy, when you're happy in life, your fucking business can roll. And so I'm just trying to figure it out and I've been trying to figure it out in front of you for the last seven, eight years. Trying to figure out the unlocks. EQ, IQ, self-awareness, hustle. I don't know what they are. You know why? Because like I told my man, it's 330 different unlocks. And so I'll go to all of them. They're all tried and true. And one might hit you. Yeah, it was hard work because I'm actually lazy. I talk a good game but I'm full of shit. Or it might be something else. But fuck, one. And so, You, you decided to sit? You're into this, right? It's good, right? This is some good shit. You're gonna remember this? Good. One fucking life. One life, my friends, one time. And honestly, I'll leave you with this because a lot of you need it. How you make your money is more important than how much you make.